Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light the fundamental issues surrounding health and wellness in the food and beverage industry. This week, my guest is Dr. Anne Brock, Master Distiller from Bombay Sapphire, the Grand Rectifier for the Gin Guild, and a fellow yoga practitioner. In our chat, we discuss taking the road less traveled and how that path often can be filled with self-doubt and uncertainty. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health. Today, I have with me Dr. Ann Brock. Hi, Ann. Hi, Alex. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you're... Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it's great to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, your story is one that I really admire. And, um, you know, I've, I've been really looking forward to getting to chat because, I mean, first of all, I just think you're such a cool woman and, and a really amazing person in our industry. And I'm so excited for people to get to know you. Um, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm often, um, you know, attracted to people who didn't take the, you know, the normal, the normal route or the normal path. Um, I think that those are always kind of like my tribe, my people. Um, and so I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, so a little bit of background for everybody listening. If you don't know who Anne is, um, you studied at Oxford University and then received your PhD in organic chemistry from St. Catharines College in 2012. And then not long after that, you found yourself living in London and distilling gin with Jensen's. Um, and these days you're the master distiller for Bombay Sapphire, as well as on the board of directors for the Gin Guild. And you're currently the grand rectifier of the guild. What does that position do, the grand it, rectifier? It's um, it's basically the nominal head and the nominal lead of the Gin Guild. So um, I can do very little or as much as I want. And it's, it's, it's a really lovely position to be in. So I, I get to go to, in normal times, I get to go to the incredible dinners and social events that they do. And I invite people into the gin guild and I get to shake their hand and say congratulations. But it also gives me a voice in the industry as well. And um, one of the things that I've been trying to do is, is the, uh, as the Grand Rectifier is really try and um, engage with women in the industry and get them to have the confidence to stand up and, and give talks at some of the events we do because there are a lot of brilliant women in, in the gin distilling world but not enough of them have a voice. Um, you know the first thing I wanted to ask you about uh, you mentioned in your in your bio that becoming a distiller was not your life goal but after spending many years working in front of house in hotels and pubs across the UK you found the world of food and beverage and the world of science that you had studied coincidentally like coinciding a little bit. I guess I'm curious, first of all, what had you planned to do with your PhD in chemistry? Did you have a plan or did you just kind of hope you'd figure it out along the way? Um, how, did you, how did you imagine things going? Well, it's, it actually goes back before I started my PhD. So my, my original plan, my life goal, I was uh, back when I was, was a kid, was to become a doctor. And it was actually a very specific life goal. I was quite an organized child. I, I wanted to become a doctor, a surgeon in particular, and work for Médecins Sans Frontières, or Doctors Without Borders. Um, and... That was something that I decided from a very young age and I 
because of that, it sort of dictated what I did at school. So I studied the sciences so that I could get a place at med school. Um, and I worked hard. I had to get top grades. And that really drove most of my life throughout my teenage years and um, and until I got my, my place at college uh, when I was 18. And I went to medical school. And obviously, that was sort of the my dream. It was something I've been working towards my whole life. And I got there and I hated it. And I wasn't ready to be there. I wasn't ready to be at university. I had different ideas about what being a doctor and studying to be a doctor would be like. And after seven months, I walked away um, and became a bartender. And it was the first time I I got into the hospitality world. Um, And it was actually an incredible moment for me because I'd been in this world where really you were judged on your grades and what you did in your test. And when, when I say I was judged, I mean, I judged myself on how I yeah. did in grades and how I did in exams and courses. <laughs> and when I walked into the, into the bar world and, and started working with a team in front of house in a restaurant in a hotel on the Isles of Scilly, which is these small islands in the Atlantic, just off Cornwall in the UK, I was the people I was working there didn't care they, they they cared about me as a person and they just wanted to get to know me and I remember being absorbed into this family uh, hotel family as it were who looked after me and I just got to spend a summer yes working shifts and working hard but also exploring a little bit what I who I was without this this goal of being a doctor in front of me and so after a number of years of doing that, it wasn't like I, that, that one summer sorted things out for me. I actually didn't go back to university until about four years later. Um, and that's when I went to study chemistry. I studied my PhD in organic chemistry. And even at that stage, I was, really didn't know what to do. I'd had this, this goal of being a doctor for so long that when it, when it left, I, I just didn't know what to do. And I was focusing on just getting through the next year and getting my PhD and really didn't know what where to go or what to do. And um, it was actually uh, a friend of mine who, who, who suggested that I look into becoming a distiller because he said it just made sense to him because I was so passionate about my spirits. I, I loved my work in hospitality. I loved serving drinks. Um, I got a bit geeky about some of the craft spirits that were coming out in the UK at the time. And it was, it just, it was like a light bulb moment, you know, it was, of course, that makes perfect sense. I get to use my science, but I get to do it in a world which I've always been so fond of and passionate about since since joining it um, after I'd quit med school. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, so much resonates with me personally, you know, um, and that I, you know, grew up thinking I'm going to be a photojournalist and travel the world and take pictures of things and write about them. And I'm going to study religion in college. And uh, I know I kind of, I've always been like a planner like that. I know, I know what I'm going to do and I know how I'm going to accomplish it. And so I had, you know, that's very similar moment when I was kind of finishing, finishing college and, needed to decide what my next step was. And my parents wanted to know, was I going to apply for grad school? What was I going to do? And around that same time, I stepped behind a bar for the first time and had that moment where I was like, oh, like, I want to explore this more. Like, I want to know more about this, this industry. And I feel very passionate about, you know, 
making drinks and like, you know, having to, having to accept to myself that, that, uh, that that would be okay, you know, and take stepping away from those, you know, cut and dry moments that people are supposed to have in life and kind of take an, an unusual path. Um, one thing that you said that I really would like to maybe know a little bit more about too, is that idea of like getting to know who you are, because for me personally, while I, while I, you know, made the decision not to go to grad school and started working in bars and and learning about this industry, I didn't, I still didn't take that opportunity to like learn who I was. That's something that I really didn't start to do until a couple of years ago, um, after becoming completely ingrained in the food and beverage industry and really letting it kind of take over me and, and becoming like one with my career. And now like years later, I'm like, okay, like I need to, I should understand who I am. Like, who am I regardless of my job? And so I guess I'd love to, you know, just let you talk a little bit more about what that was like to get to spend, you know, four years, you know, just knowing yourself and getting to know yourself a little bit better. Yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, you said the food and beverage world took over and that was that was driving you. And I almost feel that um, a lot of people, we we get on um, a treadmill at some point and we we just we're going towards a goal, whatever that goal is. Um, And for me, it was, you know, as I said, when I was younger, it was getting those grades and getting into the right university to go to med school. And it was just you are working towards the next goal and you're not thinking outside of that and to be almost unceremoniously kicked off that treadmill when I decided to take a take a step away and to do something else there was I have to say a a few months of just nothing really I I sort of was a bit blank I, I felt just a bit lost and that lost feeling stayed with me for a number of years really and actually to be honest it's only since I started really embedding myself in the gin gin industry I started to feel that actually no you weren't lost all those years those years had a purpose and you were driving to something towards something you just didn't realize it at the time so back when I was you know working um before I went to university I I mean it was such a I was so lucky in some ways to be able to do it and to be honest it was the hospitality industry that allowed me to do that because in the UK certainly um you can work seasons in um, sort of seasonal hotels um, and they give you accommodation for the season and then you pick up your end of season bonus and I would go backpacking in the winters um, so I'd escape the escape the nasty UK winters and go backpacking and it was just this moment of not having the stress of the next exam the next application you have to do and having that headspace once you're in the routine of working with your team in whatever role I was doing, of just having the headspace to think, do you know what, what is it I want out of life? What do I enjoy? Um, even down to what do I want to wear? What clothes do I want to wear? You know, what's my style? What, what kind of literature do I like? What films do I like? What music do I like? And it was really that basic to begin with because I just spent so long thinking about getting straight A's and getting the next exam that I'd forgotten all these other things that make life life and I I I didn't really know know what what I what I wanted or what I wanted to do that must have been such a 
freeing feeling and experience to get to do that and maybe even not so much in the moment but even being able to look back at it now and and recognize how important that was for you um that's amazing yeah and I think it is the looking back now because in the in the midst of it you're still caught up with the whole you know the the whirlwind of of life and of the job and of the next shift but actually looking back that was I remember being coming towards the end of my undergraduate degree and talking to somebody in the careers department and saying you know what job should I apply for and I talked through my history and the fact that I'd quit med school and they told me to try and hide those four years on my CV so that nobody would be put off my application and ever since they said that I've made it I've made it um, a policy of mine to make it very clear on my application I had those four years um, and when when I'm asked about them, I do say that you know they were some of the most important years in my in my life. You know they were they were the most the years where I developed most as a person. I grew up a lot, and I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for those four years. And I'm I'm really clear that they will always stay on my CV and they will always be present, and I will always talk about them. Yeah. Um, well, you know this is this all has kind of circled around this topic that I've been looking forward to talking with about you and it was kind of the first topic that you threw my way and and it's something that's come up a lot actually on this podcast which is the um the fear of failure yeah and what that you know how that drives what choices we make or what choices we don't make and you know I think and your story is very similar to mine in that we kind of, we grow up with these very cut and dry, like milestones or stepping stones that um, are presented to us for what our life should look like. And when we stray from that path um, and explore things that are out of our comfort zone or just a different way than people expect us to, or maybe even than we expected ourselves to, there's that massive fear. Um, And the, not just the fear of being different, um, but the fear of failing and you know, I've come to learn over the years that failure can be one of the best tools to, to teach you and to, and for you to grow. Um, but I guess I'd just love to hear from you about your experiences with that and how it affected your career and the choices you've made, um, moving through life. It is. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was because often I think that people, you know, I get told a lot by people I think are amazing in the industry that I'm a, I'm a a role model. And how did I have the career path I had? And how did I, you know, how did I drive and get to the position I'm in now? When actually a lot of my life has been overshadowed by this paralyzing fear of failure. And it is, it is paralyzing when it's, it's, you're in the grips of it. And this, this sense that you're not living up to expectation or like you said you're you're on a different path and for some reason because it's different to the one you're expected to be or the one that maybe um people around you expected you to be on you therefore define it as having failed which is not necessarily the case it's just doing things differently and different is good (laughs) a lot of the time and different and failing failing in in inverted commas is often the moment in which you learn the most about yourself and you grow the most and you come back stronger from those moments um I think there's there's this idea that or certainly I had an idea when I was younger that you had one chance at things 
And if you messed it up, that was it. And I really know now that actually the more, almost the more you fail, the more you achieve, because it means that you're out there trying and that you're out there fighting and um, you, you're out there with a the goal in mind. And sometimes you might not reach that goal, but that just sets you on a different path again. I mean, when I was when I was younger, my dad always used to say to me, you know, person who has, has never made a mistake, hasn't made anything. And as a kid, I didn't really understand what he meant. But I know now that he meant that if you don't try, you're not going to get anywhere. And it's when that paralyzing fear of failing takes over and you stop trying and you just sit there just getting through each day. That's really when when you, you're letting it rule you. And that's really when you're getting into trouble. Um, because for me, when I do have this sense of fear of failure, it is paralyzing. And there are opportunities I look back on in life that I have walked away from because I've been scared to do them because I felt like I couldn't. And then there are times in life where I felt I was in a good place and uh, opportunities were given to me. And there were enormous, you know, there were big roles that I really you know, if I looked at the role as a whole and didn't break it down into small chunks, then I wouldn't have been able to uh, take the opportunity to go for it. And so for the role at Bombay, you know, I I had the opportunity to take on this huge role. And there were so many things that I could have seen as um, opportunities to fail within that role. And had I been at a different time in my life, I wouldn't have taken it. But I was in a good place and I took it and I took each day at a time and I broke this almost gargantuan um, situation I found myself in into these little edible pieces that meant that day by day I just felt stronger in the role and I, I, I felt like I was succeeding every day rather than failing every day. Um, and I think that's really important. I think there's that element of needing to find achievements in everyday life you know success isn't measured by the million pounds in your bank bank account or the medals at a spirits competition on your liquid although those are obviously um things that most people would want in this industry i think for me it's, it's finding the small goals the small wins on a daily basis and i think that's something the hospitality in my time in hospitality taught me you know i went from working towards the straight A's in two years' time at a set of exams to having a high off an off a incredibly well-run busy shift um, behind the bar and just having that buzz on at the end of the shift and thinking, you know, we, we really nailed that. We smashed that this evening. And taking, taking those sort of small milestones and getting joy out of them. Um, and, and then you start, to, you start to not be afraid of failing anymore you're thinking about the smaller picture rather than the bigger picture yeah yeah one thing that my uh my therapist has always said to me when we discuss things that uh you know decisions that bring about that fear of failure and the fear of making the wrong decision is that you know you can never know if you made the right decision right because you can never know what would have happened um either way so in essence, every decision you make is the right decision, right? So if when you start to look at it that way, you can you can start to slowly chip away at that fear and, and make decisions based on uh, what you think is right at the time and, and know that no matter what, that's the only reality that you can know <laughs> in some that's, ways. You know, that's a really lovely way of putting it because, 
you know it's it's if you're making if you're making a decision with this sense of fear of failure in front of you 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 are thinking about it in absolute terms of the right or wrong wrong decision whereas if you just make a decision and go with it and leave the other route behind you forget about it then it takes away that element of you're doing something right or you're doing something wrong which is what yeah which is what drives the fear the fear of being wrong exactly so um, I have I had one more question I wanted to ask you about before we we wrap it up. These thirty minutes go by so fast. Um, at you, you know, when you look at at your career in distilling, um, you know, you went from you know kind of humble beginnings working at Jensen's Gin in London, and about four ish years later, you take on the role as master distiller with one of the most famous, if not the most famous, gin brand in the world, and you know, when you took on that role, I would imagine there was a lot more traveling, a little bit more of the public eye than you had before. And on top of all of that, you had to move away from, from your home to, to live, you know, near the distillery. And that's a lot of changes to happen in life all at once. And I would imagine that that really took a toll on your mental health. Um, especially if maybe you weren't prepared for it. Um, did that happen for you? And, and if so, you know, how did you, how did you handle that? How did you handle those changes? So I think certainly um, it was, a, it was a big change in my life. It was um, almost, I look back in life and I almost see these um, pivotal points um, like quitting med school and certainly accepting the job at Bombay and moving, moving down to Hampshire and near the distillery is, is another of those pivotal points. And it was, it was a number of things. It was all, it was complete lifestyle lifestyle change. Um, living in in London and in, in a small flat, shared flat, not having to have a car, you know, having your favourite bars on your doorstep and all your friends around. To living out in the countryside, I had to learn to drive. I had to buy a car. It was all these, which none of these things sound particularly big. They're all small changes, which which can take it take their toll. And certainly I know that um, they can take my toll, their toll on me. And it was something that I had to be prepared for. I had to really be ready to recognize when they were starting to adversely affect my, you know, my, my mental health and the way I was feeling about things. I was lucky in the fact that the second I arrived, I fell in love with the job. And I think that that, that always helps. You know, I think if had I not loved the job, then it would have been even, even tougher. But I have had to sort of recognize sometimes that you know okay this week's been a tough week and really take a step back and think right what do I need to do what works for me what what makes me feel better and I've, I've come down to sort of a very simple formula that when when times when things are tough I get back on my yoga mat I have to do regular yoga it just gives me that sense of calm um, and this sense of uh, sense of being able to cope as well things feel less daunting once you get off the mat um, and I also made made the effort to stay connected with my friends so I make sure that I see them in London as much as I can and I try and just go out for walks I go for long walks as much as I can and just have this moment to myself where I can let my let my brain settle and, and rebalance itself um, well, I mean, having personally gotten to 
go to Laverstoke and see the distillery, you know, I, I can only imagine how calming and, and beautiful it would be to just walk around that area. So, I mean, that is what a treat <laughs> to, to have that as, as home for now, at least. Yeah. I'm, it's, I can see how that would be a, a real bonus. It's little things like having a beautiful surrounding and a beautiful place to work that makes the bigger things um, seem more manageable. Um, but I was also very lucky in the fact that I had an incredibly supportive boss and um, the company I work for is, is really lovely and really supportive. So they made, they made all the big changes seem easier as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could talk for hours about you know the importance of of working for people that are supportive and and empathetic and and all of the things that I know that uh that your team certainly is but uh, you know I've got I've got to cut it off and sometimes people will people will fall asleep if I keep going um well it's been so awesome getting to chat and the the last thing I like to ask my guests just to you know, lighten the mood a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the thing that brought us all here in the first place, which is our love for great food and drinks is, so if you could be anywhere in the world right now, having something to drink, uh, where would you be? And what would you oh, be having? Lord. I, if I could be anywhere in the world to have a drink, wherever I am, I'd, I'd love it to be inside. And I'd love all my friends to be there because right now in the UK, we can't see our friends inside. Um, we have to sit outside and it's cold. So definitely somewhere inside. Mm. I, do you know, when I, when I met you back in um, just over a year ago, and when I was over in the States, that trip was incredible. I went to so many beautiful, beautiful places. Um in terms of just incredible bars and restaurants and there was a bar down in Miami in Florida that I briefly got to nip into and run away from um which was called La Siren News it's where Valentina Longo works and it's I mean the, the sun was shining the the windows were open to the outside so there was breeze coming in off the sea and the drinks there was a beautiful gin martini there that um rocked my world so th- that that would be great right now as long as I can have all my friends and family <laughs> that sounds pretty great I hope I could <laughs> hope I could join you there <laughs> uh, well and it's been so great thank you for carving out some time in your day to chat and um I hope that you have a a wonderful night and a great week ahead. And um, I hope we get to chat again soon. It's been great talking to you. This episode was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Most Imaginative Bartender. To learn more about the Most Imaginative Bartender competition and the Canvas project, go to mostimaginativebartender.punchdrink.com. Make sure to tune in every Monday for new episodes of Focus on Health, and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.